This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's the second deadly shooting at a synagogue in the United States in six months. A 19-year-old gunman opened fire at a synagogue near San Diego, killing a woman and wounding three other people, including the rabbi, as you heard in Bob's News. Some say the attack could have been worse, since it appears that the gun jammed after the rabbi was shot at. This comes in the context of a huge spike in anti-Semitic hate crimes in the United States, Europe, here in Canada, and around the world. There are increasing attacks on other religions, too. Just this morning, we learned about an attack on a church in Burkina Faso, which killed five. And that, of course, just a week after the terrible Easter Sunday attack in Sri Lanka, which has killed more than 250 people. So to give you an idea of the numbers, hate crimes in the U.S. jumped 17% in 2017, but that included a huge 37% spike in anti-Semitic attacks, and it marked the third year in a row that those attacks have increased, according to the FBI. Here at home, 2017 was a record-breaking year for anti-Semitism with more than 1,700 incidents. So what do you make of this? I'm starting to read in the Jewish press an increasing number of people who say they do not feel safe in their houses of worship in the United States. And that is a very scary thing. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 744 740. And right now, we are going to our security and terrorism expert, Ross McLean, along with Steve McDonald, Director of Policy and Strategic Communications for the Jewish Federation of Canada. Welcome. Thank you both for joining us. Good to be here, Libby. Okay. Thanks, Libby. Okay, let's start with Steve. Uh, obviously, this is a horrible attack. What is the response? Well, I think uh, everyone in the Jewish community is uh, is heartbroken and, and horrified at what took place in San Diego County. Uh, security is something that, with which our community is very familiar. We have uh, strong protocols and systems in place to protect our institutions, and, and we are a resilient community, but it still uh, shocks and disturbs us to see these sort of uh, anti-Semitic attacks taking place. This is the second time in six months that a, an American synagogue has been targeted for a mass shooting. As you mentioned, miraculous Miraculously, uh, the shooter's gun jammed, and therefore the loss of life, while while ter- terrifying as it was, uh, was not what it could have been. And so we know that law enforcement here in Canada are drawing lessons and deployed the necessary resources this weekend to ensure that communities are safe. But the community is, is quite concerned, as you can imagine. Ross McLean? Well, it's, it's horrific. It's another shooting. But in the in the environment that we have today across North America... It's it's we're fostering this sort of hate uh, identity politics and our universities in particular 
are rife with these sort of issues. And I think there's going to be more to the background on that if we have some investigation into it, Libby. Okay. Uh, You were saying uh, that you think the shooter in this case may have been radicalized at his university. Well, let's look at this. This is a young man, 19 years old. He's a nursing student, never known to the police before. Uh, apparently the police say with no connections to any white supremacist group. What he does do, though, is he's going to the school, the University of California in San uh, Macron. Now, down down in those universities, we've all heard about the craziness that's going on down there with diversity, political correct speak, uh, snowflakes, and everything else. Well, they've got some real issues down there. They've just, uh, a little while ago, the whole California State University network was sued for being anti-Semitic because they were actively working against uh, Jews. They were being sued for it in court, Libby. Uh, the course, uh, the case was just coming up, and the and the the university settled out of court for it and admitted that they needed to hire someone to promote Jewish uh, studies and protect Jews and to say that Zionism is part of what is being Jewish. And this is what's being actively fostered on the campuses, and this is where this is where this young man is from. So, I think it's reasonable to start looking there for where the radicalization of thinking that uh, shooting and killing Jews is something that's, uh, that's 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 reasonable to do. Steve McDonald, uh, do you agree with that? I know that a lot of Jewish organizations see big problems on campuses. There is anti-Semitism on campuses. On the other hand, I just read some statistics that say most of the anti-Semitic incidents are perpetrated by neo-Nazi far-right people. Well, I think there's a lot to unpack here. I, I think obviously there is anti-Semitism on campus, and anti-Semitism, generally speaking, is seeing a rise in the Western world. Uh, and and it, it is cropping up on both the far right and on the far left and uh, among some, well, many uh, violent Islamist uh, movements as well. And so it is a, it is a multidimensional problem. It takes on various, it, it uh, takes on various ideological traits. Um, and what we do see is that historically, whenever you see political polarization and social and economic instability, you see an environment in which anti-Semitism can thrive. And so I, I think that in this case, look, it's only 48 hours after the attack, so um, I'm sure we'll have much more to learn about, about the individual. We do know that he was steeped in white supremacist ideology, according to, to the reports that are available, and that he claims to have been inspired by the Pittsburgh synagogue shooter as well as the Christchurch uh, mosque shooter. And so I think we have to look at the the uh, the fact that online hate is a key component of this. Uh, individuals who are radicalized to commit violence usually are are fueled and fostered by online propaganda. Uh, this individual seems to be no exception to that. And so I think it is crucial that we have uh, a national strategy here in Canada to deal with the issue of, of calls for violence and incitement taking place online. Thankfully, the House of Commons Justice Committee is currently studying this issue, and we hope that this will lead to a, a strategy that brings in internet service providers, social media platforms, and others to tackle this issue. I'm going to give the numbers out again, and people, I would like to hear from you uh, weighing in on this latest shooting in a synagogue. It's the second time there was a deadly shooting in a synagogue in the United States. There are some people there who are saying they no longer feel safe as Jews. Uh, And this comes in the context of other anti-religious violence. We just heard of a shooting in a church today in Africa, in Burkina Faso. We had the terrible Easter attacks 
plural, in Sri Lanka a week ago on Easter Sunday. What do you make of this and what can be done to stem this and what do you think is causing it? The number is 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. I am talking to Steve McDonald, who is the Director of Policy for Canada's Jewish Federation and Ross McLean Security and terrorism expert. Uh, Ross, I found it interesting that the suspect here, uh, he was also under investigation for trying to burn a mosque. So how much uh, of this, is it a question of being against other religions, not his own? Well, I I honestly think there's much more to it than, than just that against religions. Uh, first of all, the police did say, they actually said he's not associated with any white supremacist group. They're looking to confirm that the manifesto that was put online was put online by him. But something I want to point out here, Libby, same as with the, uh, with the uh, mosque shooting in Australia, the manifesto that was put out, both people had the objective of firing up hate between groups using identity politics and these sort of things. And I will note that I see much of the media, particularly on TV, running with the fact that uh, white supremacist now seems to be the word you use instead of anti-Semitic. So I I do not downplay the political uh, aspects of this, same as we saw with the Jesse Smollett uh, fake racial uh, uh, lynching that, that he had put on for things, that there are people out there who are looking to agitate. And what I'm saying is, He's associated with the university, a university system that is very much interested in doing the agitation. So I think these are some of the things that need to be looked at. Um, and, you know, you started off the top uh, talking about how the increase in hate crimes. Uh, I, want, I want everybody to go look up. I don't care what city it is, what country it is you're looking at in North America here. When the hate crimes started increasing radically, like a hockey stick, it started in 2015. A couple of things happened in 2015. You had the election leading up for the U.S., where identity politics played a huge part. And in Canada, of course, we had the uh, incoming uh, uh, Liberal Party, who also play uh, identity politics to a large degree. So I think that a lot of this identity politics is what's stirring up this. And I'll just add one more piece, and perhaps Steve may want to speak to this. They've They've asked these millennials across North America what they know about the Holocaust, the Holocaust, and what Auschwitz is. Uh, they can't even answer the question. Two-thirds of them have no idea what it is. So for someone to have this sort of hatred and to write these things about hating Jews when they don't even know what the Holocaust was about is, uh, just goes to show there's something more behind this, I think. Well, uh, obviously there is. It sounds uh, like you might be pinning it. There is anti-Semitism both on the left and on the right. And uh, it's been shown that lately uh, it is right-wing neo-Nazis are responsible for a lot of it. And uh, you're talking about... Well, Libby, about- I, I, will, I will disagree with you on that. I will disagree with you on that. that you know, this guy wrote this in the manifesto... the FBI... If this is, well, no, let me, no, yeah, the FBI, which also has some of its problems right now. But right now, President Trump, who is on the right, is the biggest friend to Israel and the biggest Zionist that probably has been in the history of politics. On the left, the Democratic Party, you have actual people in Congress making anti-Semitic attacks on the left. So this whole push to want to make it 
uh, sort of even one way or the other. I don't think it really bears out based on the actions going on well, right now. Based on the the stuff that's happening online and some of these underground groups and the kind of groups that you saw marching in Charlottesville. Uh, Steve, what's your view on this? So I, I think there there is an important uh, lesson to be drawn, in particular from Charlottesville. Uh, if you look at anti-Semitism, it, it is a a distinct form of hate, and every form of hate is distinct. But it's it's distinct, but it it swims in the same circles as other forms of hate. And if you look at uh, you know the early reports of this shooter in San Diego County, if you look at Robert uh, Bowers who who massacred 11 people at a, a shul, a synagogue in in Pittsburgh, uh, both of these individuals, according to reports. Uh, hated minorities, hated uh, Hispanic Americans, uh, hated black people, but they viewed those minorities as instruments or tools of a global Jewish conspiracy. And if you look at it, uh, anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, and anti-Semitism often revolves around conspiracy theories, uh, uh, typically are used to explain all that is wrong in the world in in the minds of these individuals. And, you know, it's very easy for people to dismiss anti-Semitic conspiracy theories when it's a forum or a website or an obnoxious Facebook page. The reason why the Jewish community takes this stuff so seriously is not because we're sensitive or because we're easily offended. Uh, Quite the opposite. Uh, We take this seriously because individuals who perpetuate this hate and this this, uh, uh, vitriolic anti-Semitism can, in some cases, commit lethal acts. It happened in Pittsburgh, which was the deadliest anti-Semitic act in North American history, Six months later to the day it happened in San Diego County. Uh, we are not immune from this phenomenon in Canada. Canada is a remarkable place to be Jewish or a member of any other minority group. But if you look at the latest Stats Canada data, in 2017, an anti-Semitic hate crime took place on average once every 24 hours in this country. You can't go into a synagogue in Canada on the high holidays in a major city like Toronto or Montreal without walking past armed police officers who have been hired by that synagogue to provide uh, protection. Uh, I've been to other places of worship, and it's, I don't know if I've ever seen armed security at other places of worship. Sadly, it's necessary, but the community is resilient, and, and we have fantastic partners in law enforcement to, to work with on this as well. Okay, let's take a call from Marianne in Toronto. Hello, Marianne. Hi, Libby. Uh, the comment I want to make is uh, around scapegoating. Regardless, uh, and I agree with the things that have been said, but regardless of uh, what group it is, there are so many young people, or not just young people, but people who feel powerless, helpless, frightened, out of control. And um, unfortunately, um, Jewish people, synagogues, churches, etc., these places are easy scapegoats. And that's the comment I want to make. Okay. Thank you for that, Marianne. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again. Uh, We are talking about the fatal shooting at a synagogue in California on the weekend. It comes in the context of uh, increase of terrible attacks on places of worship. And it's the second deadly shooting at a synagogue in the United States. There are so many people who believe that this could never happen in the United States. As Ross has pointed out, uh, young people don't even know what the Holocaust is. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And I am talking to security and terrorism expert Ross McLean and Steve McDonald, who is the vice president of 
policy at the Jewish Federation, sorry, the director of policy at the Jewish Federation of Canada. And uh, Steve McDonald, you're talking about government uh, trying to control what's happening online. You know, that hasn't worked out very well so far anywhere. It's an incredibly challenging phenomenon. And uh, the reality is, uh, it's not the role of, of government uh, uh, primarily. It's, it's really something that involves, uh, I think, multiple players, stakeholder communities, uh, uh, obviously, internet service providers, social media platforms, and in some cases where necessary, I think, government to encourage and to coordinate uh, as needed. Um, but it's very clear that any responsible social media platform has a vested self-interest in preventing their pages from being used to glorify violence, to promote terrorism, and to promote um, and to, to foster uh, radicalization. And so I think, frankly, it's in, it's in the self-interest of these, these platforms to ensure that their pages are not being abused in this way. However, that said, even if all of the responsible players did a better job of policing their own pages, which usually ban this sort of content. Uh, the reality is there are many parts of the Internet that are just completely, um, completely uh, wild and, and are not being operated by responsible parties. And, and most of these individuals are, are increasingly going to those, those parts of the Internet. So much more needs to be done, but it is not a simple, not a simple process. Well, no. And Ross, do you think uh, that is a useful avenue? It does, just doesn't seem to work ever. Well, I, I actually like that Steve says he doesn't think it's primarily a government responsibility, because what we're starting to see now, even here with Canada, we haven't, I don't want to go too far off topic, but the government has come out and, and told the, the social media comp- uh, companies to start policing their network against hate, and they include with hate, whatever hate happens to be, uh, false news, and they're actually setting up a system to monitor what Canadians do and say online to see what they think may be false news or perhaps hate, but in the government's mind for how it's done. So when the government starts getting its nose into monitoring what people say, that's where part of the problem comes in, I think. I don't want to go too far off topic. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, uh, that does not seem to be a useful avenue. Um, you know, the government made suggestions, I don't want to go off topic either, about what to do about privacy, and, and uh, Google told them where to take it. <laughs> so. Well, you, you know, uh, to, to the one point, too, as well, I'll say this. If you go up, people can go have a look at Wikipedia and look up uh, white hate uh, or white supremacy in Canada. They can read the entries that are all in there. Every one of the entries that goes back from about the 1980s till now talks about one or two people who come up, they flame up for a little bit, and they kind of die away and they go. And it hasn't really taken a foothold here, These this white supremacist uh, supposed national wave of terror that's going on. Uh, that hasn't really taken a foothold. But all this other hate uh, certainly has taken a foothold. And, and, and uh, I believe that, as I said, a lot of the identity politics and the fighting for power are behind what's fostering a lot of this. Steve, do you agree with that? Uh, I think that uh, anti and I'll speak exclusively to anti-Semitism because it's my area of knowledge. Yeah. I think anti-Semitism on the right and on the far right, or the white supremacist right, if you will, is quite distinct from anti-Semitism on the left. Uh, anti-Semitism on the right, in my opinion, as 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 you know was just said, um, is not uh, catching fire within broader right-wing, right-of-center discourse. So by that I mean the following: uh, I don't think that the grotesque individuals that seek to spread white supremacy are going to find a place in any mainstream Canadian political party. I really don't believe that. Uh, 
on the on the left now they they do pose a security threat because frankly it only takes one or two unstable individuals as we have who, seen exactly who are ill motivated to act on those horrific ideas and, and as was mentioned the individual in San Diego Kennedy uh, was was not apparently connected to a white supremacist group, but he was clearly infused with anti-Semitic and white supremacist ideology, based on his own self-radicalization, perhaps. So, so that is a phenomenon that is, that needs to be countered. But I don't think it's uh, it poses a risk of influencing broader society with neo-Nazi ideas, even if it um, incubates among elements of the far right. On the far left, I do see a different phenomenon. We certainly see anti-Semitism typically being expressed in the form of hatred against Israel as part and parcel of progressive politics. I'm not referring to criticism of Israeli policies. The Jewish community, you know, consists of a broad spectrum of Israel of opinions toward Israeli politics and policies. I'm talking about people calling for the annihilation of Israel. I'm talking about people who there who have opinions on Israel that are so toxic that it leads them to discriminate against Jewish Canadians, which is clearly anti-Semitic. I believe that those uh, viewpoints are finding traction, including among some otherwise respectable elements of the progressive left. And we see this most exclusively in, in efforts to isolate, demonize, and boycott Israelis. And so they are different phenomenons, but anti-Semitism is a matter of security threats against Jews, but it's also a matter of social exclusion of Jews. It's also a matter of Jews feeling intimidated and unwelcome in certain forums. That is happening among parts of the progressive left, and that's why the progressive left needs to counter it and to say this doesn't belong in our politics in the same way that the mainstream right needs to say there is no room for anti-Semitism or white supremacy in mainstream right-wing politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I... I see uh, on both sides, uh, they sometimes are reluctant to distance themselves because it's expedient. Let's take a call from Kathy in Niagara. Hello, Kathy. Yes. Um, I just wanted to make the point that uh, since Trump changed the embassy in Israel, uh, that that, you know, pissed a lot of people off over there. Sometimes it doesn't have to do with the Holocaust and all that. It's stuff that's going on fairly currently that's getting people mad. Well, getting people mad is one thing, and and going out and shooting somebody. Well, I don't agree with shooting people, but I'm just saying that I think these young kids don't have any idea what happened 70 years ago. They're just focusing on what's happening currently, and... uh, you know, they hear all this stuff probably from their parents, and with him taking over and Yahoo being in trouble all the time, too, now he got in again, but he's apparently up on charges. He's as bad as Trump, I think. So who knows what goes on over there? Okay, thanks for that. Well, it's one thing to disagree with politics. I think, Steve McDonald, you were making that point. It's another thing to go out and kill people. I have to say, I have seen no evidence and no credible assessment that suggests that these anti-Semitic attacks are in any way linked to the killer's views on Israel. Hmm. In this case. Anti-Semites typically don't need a real excuse to commit their attacks. And to suggest otherwise, I think, is, is counterproductive at best. Okay. And Libby, Libby yeah. I just wanted to say, too, I thought Steve gave a very eloquent uh, scholarly overview of where this uh, anti-Semitic view seems to be on the left and the right, and I think he nailed it down perfectly. And uh, to, to his point, I always like to say things a little bit shorter, but if you're garnering the white supremacist vote, you're not winning one, one mark in the Electoral College. If you, were, if you were trying to garner and stir up hate, 
on the left for the anti-Semitic vote, there's a lot for you to garner there. Witness that horrifically disgusting political cartoon published in the New York Times, put in its international edition as something that they thought their readers would find uh, instructive is about the way the Jews and, and and the President Trump are going today. So the left, I think, has a real lot to do to uh, to explain on this. Okay, let's uh, take a last call from Stephen in Parkdale. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? All right. I think the United States was founded on a good principle, separation of religion and uh, state. Right now, we're all moving, whatever governments are moving to theocracies. You have the Christian coalition in Canada and the States. Uh, and pe- pe- people want to be bringing their religion into their, their their government, and you know, and then it's being taught at the universities. You have the boycott of Israel, of you know, uh, on the left, and just, you know, just, just and you know, you got uh, Bibi again elected, propped up by again religious parties. You you have to keep religion out of government. Okay, Stephen, thanks for that. Uh, Does that have anything to do with anything, Ross? No, it's identity politics is what this is. This is identity politics. Split groups up, get people uh, in their victimization for each other. You're repressed, blame it on other people. And historically, particularly from the far uh, Eastern Europe, we're talking the Russians and all those areas over there. It was constantly seen as the Jews were the problems of all of capitalism because of the way that capitalism developed differently in the East than it did in the West. And you have people uh, digging into these old stereotypes, uh, stirring them up, and, and they're learning this garbage from somewhere. And let me tell you, just about every protest that I went to in the city of Toronto over the last number of years to observe what was going on, Libby, almost every one of them, there's a socialist Marxist table set up for all of them. Almost all of them. So, and, and so the socialist uh, Marxist agenda very much has it uh, that they uh, the anti-Semitism in it. And I think it's something that we need to be completely mindful of and that we need to stomp out and not try to make this uh, something less than what it is by calling it white supremacy. I think that that is a false flag for, for this overwhelming movement we're seeing in these universities and in politics. Okay. And Steve McLean, what would you like to leave us with on this? Uh, you know, I, I think we're entering a very uh, interesting and concerning period in general in the Western world. Uh, you know, everyone decries the phenomenon of populism. Populism cuts both ways. It cuts on the left and it cuts on the right. Uh, you know, people who are worried about right-wing populism, and, and I've, I've no qualms with people being worried about it, should also pay attention to the phenomenon of left-wing populism, which is taking place right now in the UK, in the Labour Party. Uh, if you look at the situation in Western Europe, uh, the situation is actually quite disturbing for the Jewish community there. If you look at countries like France and countries like Sweden, uh, the rate of hate crimes against Jews is multifold what it is in Canada. A French Jew is 13 times more likely to be the victim of a, of a physical assault motivated by anti-Semitism than a Canadian Jew. And again, if you look at the UK, a lot of this anger is coming from the left. According to the latest polls of UK Jews, more than four in 10 British Jews will seriously consider leaving the UK if the Labour Party forms government. 
because this is a party that has become so hostile toward Israel, it's, it's making uh, Jews feel completely unsafe in that party, and even in the UK, potentially. So I think we have to recognize we have a phenomenal country here in Canada. We've done a pretty good job as a country of navigating polarization, but we're not immune from this. If it can happen in the UK, if it can happen in France and Sweden, uh, we can't be complacent. And therefore, uh, credit to you for giving space to this conversation and for Ross as well for, for sharing his views. Okay, well, thank you both, and uh, hopefully it'll be a long while before we have to have a conversation in this context again. That's Steve McDonald, Director of Policy and Strategic Communications with the Jewish Federation of Canada, and Ross McLean, Security and Terrorism Expert. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank you, Libby. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.